Welcome back to season two of Son of a Preacher Man with Jonathan Martin, a podcast all about finding beauty and brokenness, grace and grit, God and the ambiguity of the in-between. In our first episode of 2019, Jonathan joins Jared McKenna. You may remember him from season one, but Jonathan finds himself in Perth, Australia doing Jared's wedding. And on the side, they find some time to sit down and talk about the hope that comes on the other side of the angst, finding new life on the long side of dying, and why we need a revival of tenderness. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to Son of a Preacher Man, everybody. I am especially excited about this episode because I'm coming to you from down under the magical land of Oz. I'm in Perth, Australia, with one of my best mates in the world, and I'm gonna talk about that in a couple minutes. But before I do that, I just wanna say a little bit by way of update. I know the, um, it's been a little while since we've had a conversation for the show, the last few have been sermons, and I just wanna say a little bit about what's happening in my life and some of the things that are shifting and things that are shifting in my perspective. Anybody that's followed me knows that well, of course, my last book was called How to Survive a Shipwreck, and all of that that whole journey really began in 2013 when um, it hit an iceberg in my life, and so many things fell apart. Uh, I felt like it was just a complete unraveling, and that's been such a long season. I think even when I wrote the book, which I stand by every word, and I feel like writing it actually was part of what kept me afloat in the season, but I could feel myself kind of trying to write myself to shore like almost trying to will myself there. And I don't know. I just think especially when you go through a significant loss in your life, divorce, trauma, failure, um, hard things mark you. And I feel like there's just this long season in my life to where even in talking about the shipwreck experience, I felt like I was living all of my life like it was an apology, (laughs) sort of what it felt like. Everything, they're just always disclaimers. And I had a really interesting and intense experience a couple months ago when I went to Dublin, Ireland. Uh, was it a ministry trip or a fun trip? You decide, because I saw you two four times in Dublin. I spoke like three times. So, <laughs> but you know, it was it was really an amazing week. And I don't claim that God speaks to me all the time. I don't know, you know, what all of you do with that. But I will say that as clearly as I've ever had a sense of the Holy Spirit spoken to me, I just had this shit, this sense that there was a, a shift inside where I felt like very demonstrably um, the Holy Spirit said, this is the end of that season. And I was surprised at how much joy I felt. I was surprised at the sense of jubilation. Um, I always have these odd little Holy Spirit moments as it pertains to you 2 which I think is just because you 2 speaks the language of my soul and God leverages whatever speaks to our souls. And I remember one night in particular when the band's playing Who's Gonna Ride Your Wild Horses, which I love, but it's not a song that's sentimental to me at all. But like, um, there's that lyric where Bono's singing, don't turn around, don't turn around again, your gypsy heart, don't look back. And it was like, when I heard that lyric, it was just like that sense of just, that way the Holy Spirit just presses something in. I started weeping, I started weeping, because it was so, I just knew that was God. And part of the reason I got a second tattoo, I have two tattoos on my body, and the second one I got that week because I had this sense of God kind of saying, you know, this is the end of a this is the end of a season in a really definite way. And in the time since, it's just been kind of shocking to me that after all of this 
you know, where I'm used to so much ambiguity and I'm not used to, and, and I, you know, as I've talked about for so long, I'm all for embracing the ambiguity and embrace the ways that God works and all that. But it's just been stunning all of a sudden to feel like I have clarity about things and there's so much new life and there's so much joy. I, I almost don't know what to do with it. I hardly feel like I know how to talk about shipwreck kind of themes right now because that's just not where my heart is. And to be clear, and I know this is true for a lot of people listening, you know, I have many friends who are in various phases of faith deconstruction and experiencing a lot of angst. And I have been there and I have nothing but compassion, of course, and empathy. It's just, it's not where I am in this moment. And I feel like if I even try to talk about angst right now, I can't do it and it feel genuine because it's just not where I'm where I'm living. So it's I'm in a very different place, a very different perspective. And some of this will be un- unfolding even in future shows. As I talk about some of the things I feel like God's doing in my life in some new direction. I'm really excited about some of this is happening in very real time. So I, I assure you'll get you'll get more updates uh, soon. But the reason I wanted to say all that, kind of leading in uh, today, is that part of what's significant to me about this trip. So. Um, Jared McKenna and I, and uh, Jared, by the way, I know he doesn't need introduction for most of you, but for those of you who might have you know, jumped on the Son of a Preacher Man bandwagon, <laughs> that rabbit as it is, I know everybody's jumping on the bandwagon these days. Uh, if you're new to the party, um, you know, Jared's been on before, and he really is one of my best friends. Um, and and he's, he, he does so many things. He's a pastor. He co-founded Love Makes a Way uh, and uh, First Home Project, which we've talked about here on the show. He's an activist. He's an amazing writer. He's an amazing friend. But, you know, the way Jared and I first connected was all via Twitter. We were digital friends. And I remember I, I, I thought about this very vividly the other day that in 2013, when my life really first started to unravel, October 2013, I sent a crazy long email to Jared, like burying my soul, telling mm-hmm. him everything that was going on, everything that was wrong, and it just like just vomiting it all out there to a near perfect stranger. But it was just one of those things where I just had this sense. I just felt like somehow he was a kindred spirit, and I felt like I could trust him, and I just mm-hmm. put it all out there. And I remember feeling so. Jared, I remember feeling so exposed when I did. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe I'd say all these things to this person mm. who I barely know. And, of course, your response was so healing and gracious and kind. And, you know, you spoke into my life. And it was, you know, within a couple years after that, I got to come and visit you here for the first time, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying all that to say, and I don't want to steal any of his thunder, but it's like Jared was so with me in my own dark night of the soul when everything was falling apart. And and I had no idea in that season that Jared was going to go through a similar season mm. of loss and and of things falling apart. And that's part of the, you know, just a real beautiful gift of our friendship is getting them to, to kind of hopefully at least be there for you in the ways that you were there for me. Yeah. And so and it's wild to me now because, like, and I, I'm not trying to over-talk a thing, but it, it hit me so starkly on that uh, trip to Dublin a couple months ago, then been five years, five years for me in this Mm -hmm. long season. And all of your stuff is going to happen in the five years, uh, kind of in this span too. And now the reason I'm in Perth this week is to uh, do Jared and Kat's wedding this coming Saturday. There's all this new life. There's all this joy. And I just, I don't know. I just, there's something interesting and something uh, surely of, the mystery of the Holy Spirit involved in that, both mm. that we went through all that pain and loss and having to deconstruct things at the same time. And now, uh, you know, as, as, as such good friends to kind of be coming into this kind of joy and new life, 
I just feel like I've been the one of those voices for a long time that's tried to provide space for lament mm. and people talk about doubt and pain, which in a lot of our church circles we haven't had space to do. Yeah. And now I feel like it's almost uncool to talk about joy. Yeah. But I've got joy I need to talk about. <laughs> and we're um, uh, we're you know like uh, less than forty eight hours from your formal public wedding, so there's a lot of joy on this end. You know, yeah. so I just thought. Um, I just thought it would be awesome for us to be able to do that, and uh, I'm babbling on and on. I really should just say here, Jared, w- welcome back to the podcast, and thank you for welcoming me into your home. I'm just having an amazing time, It's and it's such an honor to be here, friend. Thank no, you for letting you, me be with you. And I don't know if we've shared this. I know with some close friends like the Zans and that we, we've talked about, but um, that when when you when we brought you out to speak, with my previous church, the timing of you arriving, that was like such a Holy Spirit thing for me mm. because um, you reached out to me like on a crazy holy intuition that yeah. um, uh, both of us were with our mate Johnny Clark in Northern Ireland recently. Yes. Um, it's where my dad's family from and Anankara is the um, Gaelic term for, mm-hmm. for soul friend. Mm-hmm. You, you were one of the soul friends for me. Like, mm-hmm. um, and people that I can count on one hand that are there and understand who I am mm-hmm. and see it all. And, um, and you reached out trusting for a soul friend and then through however it happened, um, my I go through my shipwreck, mm-hmm. and as I'm floating in the water, um, you swim up, and mm-hmm. we organised for you to come to Australia with no idea that we organised it before my shipwreck, yeah. and then you are uh, as I'm in the water, and uh, that just that connection and holding on to the. Um, as, as you put it in the book, what, whatever you can grab that you need mm. to grab to stay afloat and let go of the things that you need to let go of. Um, I'm so thankful you were in the water with me and that's mm. how it's worked f- for us. Um, mm-hmm. And the whole thing, it's interesting, since like we first became mates, there has been this sea change in a lot of um, <laughs> the places we swim. Yeah. And the shoreline is completely different. The the mood, the things that are talked about, right. both in really good ways, sure. but in also in ways that there are different dangers that um, you used to not be able to see that bit of reef that you can now see. It's good that we can see it, but there's yeah. danger that you'll trip over it. Sure. And I'm, I'm very aware that um, there has been this change where lament is now welcome, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. But the danger before is that lament wasn't welcome and praise was forced. Yes, yes. But I actually think it's uh, lament and praise are not two different things. They're the same mm-hmm. thing. And what we're saying yes to is being human. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're two expressions of uh, as deep as we can go in one is as high as we can go in the other. Wow, yeah. And um, I think the importance of... Um, tenderness and being present to um, the good things in our lives like this phenomenal woman that I've met and have married and going to celebrate that marriage Mm. publicly on on Saturday with friends and family that are going to journey with us Mm. Um, I'm not naive about our unprecedented ecological crisis I know what's happening in terms of the rates of human slavery not like never before Uh, I, I know how many um, 
you know, the, the amount of carbon in the air. Like, I'm aware of all that kind of stuff. But for me, hope isn't, in the same way that praise isn't forcing yourself to feel happy or yeah. some um, uh, cheap cognitive behavioral therapy with a Christian glaze. Not that there's anything wrong with cognitive sure. behavioral therapy, like that's very important. But to, to think that praise is simply that is to actually turn praise into something that it's not. Mm. It's, it's the full expression of when our mourning becomes dancing. Mm-hmm. And if we can't mourn, we won't really dance. Or yeah. we'll dance in ways that we, we can't actually experience our bodies and the joys that is present in our bodies. And so yes. for me, Jono, like hope um, isn't something far off. It, it's something in us and between us mm. that is a future that is the, the future is just there, just that close. Mm. And it's mm. being present and listening to that, knowing that it's, um, uh, it can't be, you, you know, it's like a new relationship with a, a, a new animal. They mm. scare easily. And I think mm. hope scares easily as well when we try wow. and turn it into um, something to make us feel better, into yeah. s- something to grow into. Yeah, that's so good. And I, there's a lot I want to ask you about in terms of hope, but specifically in terms of because, you know, and it has brought me such joy to see you kind of come to. And again, I know we, you know, we're, we're always in process. It's not mm. that our lives are that everything's tidy and neat and completely resolved or whatever. But I, I see such authentic joy in your life and this relationship with Kat and, and the boys and all the new things that, that God's doing. I so love the Instagram post that you put up recently, just the poem that you read about. I feel like it's in terms of really bringing people into that space. I'd love it if you could read that for us, because I feel like um, just especially in terms of this whole idea of life on the other side. And I think, you know, especially in the midst of one of, the, of, of, of that kind of place, how important that is to hear that there is life on the other yeah. side, that there is new life on the other side of resurrection. And yeah. and that's not, you know, like... Uh, a second string, you know, like something to settle for or whatever. No, really, like that there's a a robust resurrection life on the other side, that there's a restoration that comes that, yeah. I don't know, that even that idea I think C.S. Lewis talked about and the way that kind of redemption works its way backwards. It changes how you think about the whole story. That's right. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in light of, of kind of what God's doing now. But I would love it if you could read that to us. And I will... Um, by the way, Jared, just on that note, I would want to tell everybody, let's see, your your um, Instagram, I think, is, yeah, Jared McKenna. With Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure we put all this up, that, and your Twitter, because people mm. should be following you on everything. But I'd love it if you could read that piece, because I think it's so beautiful and be so helpful for people who are listening. Yeah, sure. And, and maybe just a little bit of a backdrop that I think for both of us in the age of Instaspam, going through such grief, it's a really difficult thing to actually manage what is because uh, we've all got mates, or maybe we ourselves have overshared on that forum mm. things that needed to be shared with a spiritual companion yeah. or a spiritual director um, or a, a really good, prayerful, wise friend. Um, or the opposite is true that we engage in self propaganda right. to try and um, force resurrection, like it's yeah. Saturday mm. and we're trying to breathe air in our own dead lungs Mm -hmm. and um so for for me asking the question what is it to let my yes be yes in a public forum Mm. as a four 
mm. who like I- I- everything is a, like um, that's for uh, people who are into the voodoo of the Enneagram that's right <laughs> if that witchcraft happens to tickle your fancy <laughs> you know it, it, everything's a potential play yes, um, yes. Uh, or, or it is a catastrophe to, to write a song about right. but how, how yeah. do I stop being about um, uh, those different responses which mm-hmm. so, can so easily distort my, my feelings is different for others but my feelings so can so easily um, become something that ride me instead of me ride them yeah and so this is my attempt to like actually do truth telling on a platform which is often about spin mm. yeah. so i interrupt your instagram to tell of mercy hope on the other side redemption deeper than death goodness in the land of the living I want to assure you, regardless of how dark things get, love will have the last word. All is not lost. The story is not over. Your story is not over. Live humbly, with your head up, walk in integrity, be generous in showing the mercy your heart hungers for. Do not seek to be vindicated. Seek to live like love wrote the last page. Don't live to prove anything to anyone, including yourself. Be gentle, be kind, be forgiving. Allow allow others to be gentle, kind and forgiving of you. I know how valid it is to never risk being vulnerable. Healing and hope are wounded animals that run from heart hardness. You, like them, are powerful when you own your own weakness. They will gently visit you befriend you and lead you if you let them. They will invite you to play. The earth will become a mother, the stars a host of witness, and God a friend. There are good things for you. This is my story. This is my song. Maybe you thought you'd never sing again. Relax. Listen for that tender tune. Kathleen, Thank you for singing. Mm, that's so beautiful, man. I love that piece so much. And um, and even being, you know, here in your home with you and Kat and getting to witness some of this firsthand, which, by the way, I thought we were talking about Instagram, you know, hello to the friends on Instagram. <laughs> Very spur of the moment here. Um, but I, I would love it if you could just... Um, Especially, you know, less than 48 hours, again, from the formal public ceremony. Obviously, mm. this already happened in private. But I'd love you to say a bit more about Kat and what she means to you and what this means to you. Like, that's, I mean, the piece says a lot. But just in mm. terms of where she fits into this, this whole story right now. Uh, I dare not push people's patience by reading a, a, a second um, poem. But one of the things I wrote in a poem about Kat, I talked about how she is not your potential, nor is she what you have suppressed in yourself, nor am I. Now we can be friends. Mm. And now you can see her and we can see each other. And I think that's the difficulty of like when we talk about anyone is that we talk about someone. So it's our experience of another and the the wonderful thing about Kat is how she brings me out of myself and into my body and 
um, through through laughter and play and she just loves life. She's comfortable in her skin and in the garden and in the ocean and um, with others and there's a buoyancy to who she is that like the waves won't win and I love all of that about her but I'm still getting to know her. I'm still getting to know myself. Um, I, I don't know if we can really know anyone if we can't come to terms with that stuff we won't see in ourselves. So it's, it's like that um, movie we watched the other night, um, Coherence. Uh, Great film, by the way. Yeah, it's really like fun. it's a bit of, like for better metaphysical thrillers, if people are into that. But why I love that film, um, when so many things at the moment seem to be talking in sci-fi about multiverses mm-hmm. and all the rest is that it's the only characters that are in it are yeah. the people who are in one room and them across all these different multiverses. Mm. And you suddenly realise that the only thing you have to fear is actually yourself. And that's terrifying. Yeah. And so the, the whole film is about um, who am I at my best or my worst and will I, what self will I encounter and what story will I choose to be a part of? Mm. And I think whether it's any relationship, whether it's a professional relationship or um, crew you play basketball with on a, a weekday or um, friends down at local bowling club or like whatever it might be, um, we only get to know others as much as we have come to terms with the mystery that we are and can yeah. laugh at it yeah. um, and uh, weep over it, um, but also embrace all of that. Um, and Cat helps me get out of my head, yeah. um, uh, get into uh, my heart and uh, my body in ways that I don't merely preach about God, but experience God, mm. um, or, or even merely um, seek God's will, but participate in it. Mm. And that's what I mean by hope. Hope for me isn't, isn't only something you possess, if we do possess it. It's something you participate in. Yeah. Um, hope is an action that we receive, and in receiving, it actually changes us. And that's a fragile thing because it's it's not the self-manufactured whip yourself up yeah. kind of thing and nor is it a passive I'm just going to wait. Mm-hmm. It's stepping into this like active waiting where by opening to hope right now that the only place that the future is is in us and between us, that the kingdom yeah. of God is within us and amongst us, that if that's where God's future, this different thing for individuals, families, communities, nations our world if that's where it happens well it's not forcing something or some vision or some ultimate theme but opening to it and opening to its demand to jump into that hope and that I don't know other than poetry how you can start to play with that kind of stuff when you're talking about the realities of the human soul and and who we are and so that's where I'm at. Like, mm. I don't know where a whole bunch of things are going, but True. I know who I'm going with. Yes. And I know that I'm loved. And I have these gift of these um, uh, two extra boys to mm. add to Tyson, whom they love. Um, and, yeah, the, the beauty of 
of all of that. And even on our honeymoon, uh, somebody prophesied over us about mm. um, blended families. Is that the language that Americans yeah, use? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and that that would be a symbol of hope to people. Wow. Um, uh, and uh, they also went on to talk about um, Kat finding um, her voice in a ministry kind of mm. setting. Um and all of that, we, we don't know what that will mean. Sure. But it's not something we're waiting for. It's something we're receiving and seeking to participate in yeah. today with the boys. Yeah. As we just hang out with our mate Jono mm-hmm. and spend time in Frio with Dave and mm-hmm. watch a Thunder game and then go to the grave of Bon Scott. Like, yes. what, is, what a what good is, day, by the way. Yeah, that's that's right. been a really amazing day. Now, see, this, and I didn't prep you for this part of the question, but this is something I'm thinking about right now. I... I'm curious because I think, you know, you and Kat to me are such a great love story and it is so redemptive and it's very helpful to me, you know, in a way like, and I I feel like that way when I was first around the two of you together, it's, I mean, it's always been hopeful. And I, in terms of that being a marker and a sign for other people of God's kingdom, I, I so believe that to be true. And it raises an interesting tension for me because on the one hand, I feel like, Part of what you learn through a shipwreck, and, and I feel like I hear this a lot, and I think it's important and true to a point, this whole idea that um, we're whole inside of ourselves. I think it's Parker Palmer's phrase that we have a hidden wholeness. Like, mm-hmm. I believe that. I do believe that there's a kind of completeness to a point of, you know, we're people who are created in the image of God, and you have to learn how to love yourself and accept yourself before mm-hmm. you're able to even have a self to lay down for another person, mm-hmm. right? You know, to love your neighbor as you love yourself, etc. But at the same time, um, we're also relational creatures, yeah. and there's some things that you can't self-generate, yeah. and there's no getting around the path, that, that, or around the idea, really, for that, that whether it's a, um, a romantic love, whether it's friendship, like whatever. Mm. I, I do kind of tend to think there's some things we can't heal within ourselves totally. and can't see within ourselves. So yep. could you speak to, like... That tension a bit between, you know, yeah. there there is a way that um, you have to find a certain kind of completeness so that you don't love people in a way that's uh, demanding and selfish and ego projection and all that. And yet there's also a real way in which I think realistically God does bring people into our lives that he uses to heal our wounds. Yeah. How, do you, how do you navigate that? Yeah, I... I do believe we have a hidden wholeness. I just don't believe it's ours. Mm. I believe it's ours. Does that look like, yeah. in the sense of like, it's not mine, yeah. it's ours. Um, and I don't mean to, to flatten the, the mystery of God into reality. And, um, uh, you, you know, I, I can hear God shows up as your life in several different ways. And some mm. people say amen and mean one thing and other people. And what I'm not saying is that like, oh, yeah, because all of that. No, I, I think there is something that we share, not merely as humanity, but as creation, as creatures yeah. with all living systems. Like Archie at the door. <laughs> it's like Archie. Archie, come in. Archie's, Archie's a great podcast. dog, everybody. And this is the kind of real-life texture that I really like for the podcast. Hi, Archie. <laughs> Come on in, Fran. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not talking about abstract questions about Archie's soul or yeah. what does breath mean in Genesis right. that animates Archie or um, blood that is shared that also talks about, like, they're interesting questions and all yeah. the rest. But I mean something that's... Um, 
we have cosmologies which are so flattened. That's what I meant in the poem about like Earth becomes a mother, the stars mm. become a whole host of witnesses. Our imaginations are stripped of not just demons mm. but angels, mm. um, uh, n- not just um, uh, relatives but ancestors. Wow. We don't yeah. know what we're a part of, mm-hmm. and so we don't know where everything's going. Mm-hmm. So our addiction to growth and you know, the, the only thing that grows exponentially, naturally in reality is cancer. Mm. And we can keep thinking that endless growth is a good thing. Right. Jono, you, you and I, we're approaching 40. Yeah, I am 40. Yeah. <laughs> I have approached. And I'm only a couple of years <laughs> off, right? And that's a, that's a good, beautiful period of life. Yes, and yet we is. live in cultures that want us to pretend we're perpetually young right, and sure. perpetually potential. Yeah. Where are the elders? Yeah. I'm looking forward to being an elder. Mm. I don't want to keep covering up. Uh, one of the things I wrote in that poem about um, Kat, one of the things I, I love about her so much is that she's so beautiful without painting um, yesterday on her today. Mm. Yeah. Um, like, There's so much even more pressures for women when it comes to all of that stuff. Yeah. But the communal rea- reality is that we are creation mm-hmm. and our laments aren't merely mine. They are ours. Mm. Um, our praises, our, our, our joys aren't merely mine. They are ours. Mm. And so the reason why we weep with those that weep is because we are. I, I don't mean to flatten that. Um, well, let, let's co- quote your favorite band. Um, we are one, but we're not the same. Mm. Yeah. So I don't mean this kind of uh, flat like, oh, we're all you know, drops mm. in the bucket of the divine kind of, no, mm. no, no. Like um, uh, uh, there is a goodness that is so much better than this that you can't associate. But there is also a goodness of just us being us. Yeah. So a hidden wholeness can never be realized without each other. Yes, yes. I, I really truly believe as, as heretical as this sounds to people who've ne- never read the early church fathers, that the only salvation there is, is communal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like th- this is something that is ours together. Mm-hmm. And so to, to pray for another and to long for their healing is actually to welcome God's healing in myself. Yeah. I know that experientially to be true. Yeah. That's, this is my story. Yeah. And it, well, and I think whether it's falling in love or in the context of just a really healthy community or again, friendship, like, how does any healing come without coming to see yourself the way somebody else sees you? Somebody else sees mm-hmm. you with, through, the, through the eyes of God, through mm-hmm. the eyes of faith. And, I, you know, it's like we're just, I just think there's so many things we can't, we can't see in the mirror. It really does take somebody else's sight, someone else's vision, somebody else's voice to call these things out of us, yeah. you know? And it's like, uh, it, it's too both, much both the best and the worst. The best and the worst, yeah. absolutely. And, and how so to true. see all the stuff that those who hate us see and to see it yeah. without judgment or condemnation, but actually be, be able to embrace all that stuff uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And those who idolize us, who's prob- that's probably more dangerous for, like, a whole bunch of us mm-hmm. is those that think that we're superhuman and better and all, all the rest, which is mm-hmm. dangerous as a spiritual leader yes. that people start putting up on all those things, how to like hold all those things and laugh over them and weep over them yeah. and show the same mercy that we need to others. How did it work for you in terms of, um, 
and again, nothing of what we're doing today is kind of dwelling in the past, but for any of us who've been through broken relationships and um, not just in terms of like marriage, but church, friendship, like all the things. um, I mean, part of what I love so much about even that piece is you acknowledge the the challenge of what it is to be vulnerable. Even the idea, like it was part Mm. of what I loved about the piece, like you said, Instagram being a a space that's known for spin Mm. and taking the risk to be vulnerable. Like, What was it like for you to... um, on the other side of, of pain, on the other side of a certain kind of brokenness, to even decide to trust what this is, to decide mm. to be vulnerable, decide to mm. put yourself out there. Because that's, that's that is the kind of conversation I'm having with so many people right now. It's like, yeah. you know, the, the part of what makes relationships both so wonderful, but then also so painful. It's like when this is the arena that you've been hurt, um, th- this, is a, this is the vehicle through which, you know, um, we come to encounter God, and God is embodied to us through the touch of other people. God speaks to us through the words of other people. Mm. But then, when you know, when relationships are broken, that can be so devastating. You know, was it difficult for you to, to to come to be vulnerable in this way again? And what was it inside you that made you feel like you could trust enough to put yourself out there, and you know, and even trust that you know God is at work in this? Because a lot of people are like grappling with that right now. Like if I've especially if I've, if I've dealt with a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of br- relational brokenness, how do I learn to be vulnerable and take that risk? And is the risk worth it? Oh, it was heaps easy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I figured too much had been taken from me to just give everything away. Hmm. Like, I was determined to hang on to my tenderness. And we've, you know how important that word is for me. Like, um, that uh, when I look for words to describe my experience, the Holy Spirit, it's the first word I go to. and what helped in that, and that's what I mean by like, um, whether it's hope or peace or joy being gifts, mm. like that. But we like we decide what we're going to do with gifts. Yeah. But not starting with my decision, but starting that there is something good, even in the water mm. after the shipwreck. Mm. And am I going to open to that? Like, can I actually invite that in? And what's it to have the courage of Archie to scratch the door down until it lets they let you in? Yeah. And um, knowing that there's goodness and not giving up and having the determination of Archie. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how I want to live my life. Um, uh I mean, even the strange miracles of Paul being bitten by a snake and not dying. Mm. That's a sucky testimony. Right. Like, sometimes I want a very different testimony. Mm. A lot of the time I want a very different testimony. Mm. But I'm really glad where I am now yeah. and, and who I have with me. Yeah. Um, and I know that there are gifts. And so there's little phrases mm. like Walter Wink, who the first time I was ever published, Walter Wink, published me like he, mm. he was so kind to me when um we were uh, strip searched um and then responded by stripping in public on the um uh outside of the courthouse um june wink wrote to me um after walter's death and said this is exactly what he was talking about and mm. he would he would be so 
courage, but he had this brilliant little phrase that just comes up for me all the time where he talks about God does not will all things, but God wills something in all things. Oh, I love that. That was life for me. I mean, just getting phone calls from you, like, um, uh, and particularly people like you and others, there's there's so many hot takes at the moment that I look for tender, kind people who have their Mm. eyes open Mm -hmm. but aren't trying to set up who they are over and against others at the cost of calling out others. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying there isn't a place for calling others out. In the season I'm in, I'm in no shape to call others out Mm -hmm. and I want to be called out or called in in such ways that actually um, I I become kinder Mm. as well as more wise Mm. uh, where I become um, clearer in what I see Mm. both in myself and in others Um, because whenever I see something in others and we're talking a bit about this with like eight-year-old Gogo Hugo Mm. and um, 10-year-old Winnie Winston um, that what it is to, in Jesus' teachings, there's life of what it is to be human. And he says that we've got to first remove the log, then we can help each other. Mm -hmm. So it's good that we want to help each other. Mm -hmm. But first, why does that bother us? Mm -hmm. What's the stuff? And learning those little things in our lives, um, Mm -hmm. it is really life-giving. Like They're the things that are actually opening that gift. They're making the decisions today. I'm going to put Jesus' teachings into practice. Mm. Um, I'm going to creatively and imaginatively enter into the experience of others and do unto them what I'd want them to do unto me. Yeah. That has and is sanctifying me. Mm. That, that is transfiguring me. Mm. Um, my journey of opening to all that I am and all that God has yeah. um, has come through a community of people who have encouraged um, cats are Baptist, the best kind, the dancing kind. Um, the dancing kind. And one of the things that, you know, um, folk Baptist spirituality to um, set Jesus uh, um, as Lord of your heart and that focus on the internal um, and her sweetness and her tenderness to others is because of that. I mean, our Buddhist friends would call it intention. Mm, yeah. Um, and some other Baptist friends would say, don't talk about it. <laughs> but not cat. And the, what it is to have that intention yeah. around how do we stay um, humble and uh, not get caught up, but actually embody something different. So our activism is, mm. is for the long term. Yeah. But I won't dwell here too long right now, but I love that phrase, not just calling out, but calling in, um, which, of course, would entail having to look at somebody else that we disagree with as being made in the image of God, which is, uh, imagine that, though, the the, the power, I think, of, 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 I just, I love that phrase. But I, I'm thinking as you're just talking about this, Jared, and your own, because, you know, I, I've watched you fight to stay tender, and I feel like something else that we've shared in common and that we've been able to encourage each other around. And I, you know, I know that you'd be the same way that I am is that they're like, there's, 
there's zero piety in this. You know, it's like when you've really gone through a shipwreck, <laughs> you have no platitudes. Just like he was talking about not yeah. being in a place where you where you have no desire to call people out. I mean, I mean that's so for for no other reason that it simply won't keep you afloat. It won't keep you afloat. Yeah. Does it work? Does yeah. it work? It doesn't work. Right. But you know, I, I I've certainly seen a lot of people that through their unraveling. You know, faith is one of those things that unravels too, and um, God is one of the beings that you're the most, if not the most, suspicious of, etc. It's been curious to me that I feel like in your journey like mine, it seems like all of the pain, instead of pushing you away, pushed you closer in. And I'm curious as to... As to why you think that is, was was there a temptation to walk away? Was there was that part of was that a thing to be worked through? Like what um, in the midst of so many other things that shifted and changed for you, what made you feel like you could keep coming to Jesus in the midst of all of this? Yeah, um, was that a conscious decision? Yeah, it was something I was very aware of when things hit and and maybe it's just working through my own crap. Like I just know that, um, we're fragile. I'm fragile and things can go either. And I, I know where I go, where I'm not doing well and I don't want to be that Mm. and being conscious of those things. And so when, um, when you experience shipwreck, um, not wanting to drown in that Mm. like you're still alive there's still things that can land might not be in sight but you're still floating in the water so there's still possibilities Um, but there are ways to just sink Mm -hmm. and so being aware of the way um, that um, I would sink uh, and putting in place things so uh, uh, initially, like practically, um, I was talking to Osher Ginsberg, who actually mm. hosts The Bachelor here in Australia. Oh, no way. So if you get on a Qantas flight, um, if anybody's flying overseas on an Australian airline, you'll see Osher's podcast. And he had mm. me on his podcast. And we were talking through the practicalities of uh, him through his mental illness or while being in the public spotlight mm. um, and me through... Um, you know, my life falling apart. And it's things like spending time in creation is incredibly important for me, that I'm part of creation. And when I alienate myself from the the praises of birds and the Mm -hmm. lament of the bush and what it is to be on the land, I'm not well. Mm. Um, Being in the ocean changes my week. Like, um, so there's practices like that. Um, silence, learning to open to God in, in the silence and the tenderness. Now I'm still a tongue talking, Bible carrying, Jesus loving. Um, and the silence is actually what opens all of that up for me in ways that become tender instead of forced. Yeah. That, um, uh, become something that leaves behind perfection or performance and um, becomes about being present to what God is doing in this moment, not in the abstract. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's no way to avoid yourself in that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, good people, good friends, practical things like exercise for mm-hmm. me. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's the cheapest medication you can oh, get so your hands true. on. Yeah. Um, go for a run. Uh, join the local swimming pool. 
um, learn to surf, like do what you have to do. Uh, it's it helps join a gym, like it mm. it really. So those things, I wanted to give myself the best chance. Yeah. Um, and I had really supportive family and friends that, um, uh, yeah. while things with the previous church blew up and my marriage ended and all the rest, um, they were there. All those things are really important. Mm. But John, as conservative and maybe even ridiculous to some of the listeners this might sound, good theology helps. Yeah, and oh, by man, good theology, so when people don't yes. know what good theology is, yeah. um, uh, this sounds ridiculous. But let me put it in a way that a friend Kevin, who I met recently in the US, would put it: is that bad theology kills. Mm. Um, so at least good theology, we can be humble enough to say, will help. Yeah, and yeah. there's things like um, even the way you worded the question that um, God is one of the beings um, that often. To just be able to go where beings God isn't a being. Mm. Um, God is beyond what we think of God. Right, yeah. Um, and th- that the incarnation, what we see in Jesus, it says that the mystery of what we name as God is love, but that doesn't make God any less mysterious. Right. And what it is to be present to that in such ways that um, uh, we can sing with those throughout the ages. Yeah. Um, uh, songs of lament and hope and praise uh, that really does help like mm-hmm. if if your theology is toxic your psychology will be toxic yeah. I don't know how to put it in any other way mm-hmm. um, so if you have done the work realising that um, like when people bag out like oh therapeutic theology if your theology is not therapeutic there's a problem You're absolutely like, oh yeah. therapeutic deism oh, Sure, like deism might not be, but if your theology isn't healing you, mm-hmm. uh, I don't. That's that's Jesus' gig. Right. That's, that, right. that's who Jesus reveals God to be. Yes. A, a healer. Yes. Um, that's what salvation is: us being healed, mm-hmm. being our world being made whole and put back. Right. As God longs it to be. That's so good. Uh, I met Desmond Tutu for the first time this year. Mm. It's like in terms of highlights of. Well, last year now, 2018. Um, I love his language that God has a dream. Mm, yeah, um, we too. we need to dream that dream after God. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent no yesterday, day before, we're hanging out with Duncan and Tara mm-hmm. and reading their little ones, um, three and five on the couch. Desmond Tutu's translation of the Bible mm. and um, the talk of that God has a dream. Mm. And God's dream was realized in, we read the story of the boy with the loaves and the fishes mm. and God's dream that everybody, um, their needs are, are, are met. Mm. Uh, we need more good Sunday school kind of stories that animate us to share our loaves and yeah. fishes. Um, and if, if our understanding of therapy doesn't also include the economy, yeah. we're in trouble. Mm. That's that's what's toxic, is that we need to heal our economies. So it's good news for the ecologies we're a part of, and good news for Archie. Good news for Archie. Archie just wants to cuddle. Good news, Archie. We love you're loved, Archie. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a good boy. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. That's so that's so good, and I'm struck too um, by. 
I don't know. Just this sense of, I'm sorry, petting Archie is just really making me happy right now. But you know, things that bring you outside yourself and out of your head, you know, even when you're talking about um, getting out into nature and creation and exercise and all these ways that we can make ourselves open to God's healing. It's just been, it's, that's part of where this week even has been so fascinating for me is that I've been, of course, I was looking forward to being with you because I always do. And I know that's always going to be good for my soul. But like these last few months, and this is not a complaint because these have all been good things and I am more or less in charge of my own schedule, but I've just been going so hard nonstop. You know, I've probably spent three or four days in the last two months at home and just, you know, just, just been going really hard. And it's been, it's a little outrageous to me, like all these things, because I know that there have been things that have sort of been stirring in my soul, but haven't quite had space to kind of deal with any of it. And it was pretty astonishing for me yesterday as I was going with some of our friends here down to see some really beautiful sights about three hours south of here, just breathtaking places. Mm. But just sitting there riding in the van and then kind of in the middle of like seeing all these things. And it's like out of nowhere, these very big life questions that I've been grappling with for what it seemed like for years in terms of discernment and what's next, etc. It's like all those things just sort of snapped into place. And it was <laughs> wonderful and also like, wow, seriously? <laughs> you know, because it's like it's while you're wrangling with it all the time really actively and you're trying to like wrestle it down like you feel like there's like no progress whatsoever and after a few days here in which I've had time to kind of decompress and be out in creation and be in these beautiful spaces mm. and be with friends and not have any other kind of an agenda is kind of shocking to me mm. which is not to say of course that's the way it happens every time that always happens that easily but I do there is there is something to it, you know, yeah. that kind of getting into that kind of space. You you make yourself available to God's healing. Yeah. You make yourself, the way you're able to even kind of listen to your own soul and totally. what you want when because you touch John, yourself. We are creation. Yeah. Like, that's a, despite the way that the English language is structured, that we talk about, quote-unquote, the environment mm. or nature. Mm-hmm. We are nature. Yes. We are the environment. There's no, inv- like, but all the way that so much of our modern life is set up, with the reality, I find it, I mean, maybe this is too simplifying it too much, but I find it very difficult to hear from God inside. Yeah. Like going for a walk and what it does to my imagination and what it does to my body or, or sitting out underneath is it when I have really mm. big decisions or like I'm seeking yeah. like the Holy Spirit to actually guidance in my life on something big, I sleep outside. Mm. I know that sounds bizarre. Well, and it's because I live in Perth, Western Australia. Sure, sure. Where worst thing that happens, you get rained on and it's never snowed in recorded mm. history. But there's something about the stars, particularly like up here in the hills. Yeah. Well, even when like being at First Home Project today mm. and, um, you know, we didn't even see any of the crew who, who live there. Mm. Um, but just like, how that place feels and what it does to my soul mm. and the labyrinth and the the birds and the fact that it has been set apart as a place of sanctuary and safety for refugees. I'm sure that's part of it. Um, but it, it speaks to me. It puts me in a different frame. Mm. And we've got to find those places for ourselves so we can become those people for others. Yeah, well... That's so good. Having to find that space for ourselves so we can become that for others. And which is, I think, good, especially for those of us, some some of our faith traditions where there's still a wiring that people have to fight against in terms of that kind of, that, that that's selfish somehow, you mm. know, to, to, to find the kind of space that you need to be whole, the people that made you whole. That's so, mm. um, 
I don't know, it's such a basic principle, but it's one I am thinking about a lot these days. It's as you know, as simple as the, you know, and if they always give you the instruction on the flight, you know, that you you put you put on your own Safety mask before mask you give it to somebody yep. else. It's how it works, yeah. and especially, and that's been pretty revelatory for me because I think wow. especially when you're called to ministry, like it's so easy to think like that you're still doing good for people when you're operating out of this extreme deficit. Like, yeah. no, like if I don't have oxygen, yeah. you get to a certain point, like I really don't have anything constructive to offer. Any, I'm yeah. not good for anybody else as yeah. long as I'm still living at that pace and without having any, without in, any space to encounter God, encounter nature and wonder yeah. for myself in that way. John, uh, it's a, almost a different topic for a different day, but I think so much of the way that we think about pastoring is completely toxic. Yeah. Like we, Pastoring is thought of as something different than what it is for us to learn to be humble disciples. Mm-hmm. What's that? What's, mm-hmm. what's that about? Like pastoring is thought of in ways that actually often foster dependency. Yeah. Um, I- instead of like where where are the elders awesomers? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's our New Year's Eve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with friends, kids gathered, and I'm like, mm-hmm. pick up the brothers, Karen Resolve, and, and read, like, mm-hmm. love every rain, ray of light, every grain of yeah. sand to the, the kids. Yeah, that was as wonderful. A, as a way of starting the... Um, but we need to hear from the wise elders, whether it be in mm-hmm. Dostoevsky books, but where are those people in our own... Those people who know how to listen to the worship of all of mm. creation. Yes. Those people who can speak the tongues of frogs. Mm. Um, the, those people who um, can actually pay attention to uh, the lament of the land. Mm. I, I mean, if we judge worship experiences of whether we, like, you know, had the goosebumps because mm-hmm. the smoke machine was cranked and the lights were down and mm-hmm. the laser show was good and the band's sound system didn't miss miss a... I mean, I love all that. So, like, sure, sure there, there's a place for all of that. But when all you eat is dessert, you'll yeah. become real sick real yeah. quick. Yeah. And we need to reimagine church's formation instead of show and justify it as mm-hmm. evangelism. Yeah. Like the the consumer kind of, oh, so, I mean, I wouldn't mind if it actually created people who love God and it's seen in love for others. Right. But there's so many of us who barely love ourselves. That's so true. Yeah. Barely love ourselves. Mm -hmm. Love others in ways that are completely dependent and are more about us than it is actually about others. Mm -hmm. And that's why we don't care about justice. We care about the kind of mercy that makes me look good. Right. What is that? Yeah. That's not real mercy. Yeah. It's a charity which is devoid of character. So it's mm. devoid of love. Mm-hmm. Like it's, we, yeah. The conversation we often have about that revival yeah. of tenderness. That's right. Like we, we need people who fall in love with everyone and everything because the way that they're loved by God. Hmm. That's the you know the the main stuff the mm-hmm. the big stuff not the the freaky sideshow kind of gold leaf big hair mm-hmm. or <laughs> super slick um, uh, I was rejected in high school so now I hang out with the coolest like all that kind of yeah. oh like we're just yeah. what is that like mm-hmm. give me something that looks roughly like Jesus yeah. Yeah, man, that's so good. Well, and on that note, um, even by way of closing this out, I'm just, 
I'm just so, I know we're talking about that in context of ministry, but I'm just so grateful that you've been that kind of person in my life and even opening up, talking about, I mean, you are such Anamkara, such a soul friend mm-hmm. to me. And the way that you, your own tenderness has consistently brought me into the presence of Jesus and made me feel loved by Jesus and seen and known. And, uh, you know, in, in times when I didn't otherwise feel seen and known, it's such mm-hmm. a, it's such a profound gift, friend. And to be here with you now and to be celebrating this new phase of your life and you and Kat, it's just such a it's such a beautiful thing. And I'm just profoundly grateful to be able to share life with you and bless you on this mm-hmm. leg of the journey. I'm so excited about all that's coming and mm-hmm. um, just 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 all the new life right now. It's really it's really beautiful. Oh, I love you, man. And we're so thankful for I'm sure people will talk, tell you, they'll hear this and they go, Yeah, I'm gonna tell Jono. Thank you. Thankful for your voice. And I really do feel that this next season for you and you leading with those who don't merely want to deconstruct, but actually want to do something beautiful with their lives, Um, to to share and learn for others, but know the good gifts that they have and to to actually be about Mm. that, to, to move beyond I just see you leading so strongly in that, um, mm. and I look forward to, yeah, a revival of tenderness. And mm. I think you're you're so central for people being able to open um, to that reenchantment of mm. the things that once were can now be integrated and incorporated in ways that mm. are mature and beautiful instead of like fake or fantasyful or, mm. or whatever else. Uh, we love you, bro. Thanks. Thank you. I love Thanks you too. And I received that. That's such that's, that's precious encouragement. And a, re- a revival of tenderness. That's the revival I'm looking for, man. Seriously. Amen. I think that's the only kind of revival there is when it comes right down to it. So, thanks so much for being with me. And thank you guys for, for listening. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Thank you for listening today. For more, go to jonathanmartinwords.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to become a patron of this podcast and help keep it alive, go to patreon.com slash man, and we would appreciate your love and support. Now remember, no matter who you are or where you come from, we hope this podcast can help you come to find the love that calls you by your true name. God bless.